Hello and welcome back to the Pocket Rocket podcast. I am here with the man himself, AJ Morris. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. No, thank you for coming on. Um, and yeah, so we're quite a few episodes in now. And obviously I spoke with uh, one of your natty brothers. Yeah, Chris. just down, yeah. Yeah, and you spent the weekend with him and probably mm-hmm. drilled him a little bit about what we talked about. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I wanted to get you on because um, I think with you, you do live quite a lot of your life quite openly on social media. And obviously you have a number of platforms that you have your YouTube, you have podcasts now. And um, I think you're quite open as well with your clients, not just from a personal perspective, but also sharing their ups and downs, um, obviously where they allow for it. So I kind of just wanted to talk to you a little bit. And aside from understanding the man behind the muscle, to also understand why you are so open and like in a world where I think social media can sometimes be too much and like you can't ever feel like you can escape it or hold anything back mm-hmm. I don't feel like you approach it in that way at all I think you're like well this is me sure. take it and do what you want with it really yeah for sure it's, it's, it's interesting you brought that up actually about being open because it's to be honest, it's something that I actually think I've, I've, I've failed at a little bit over the last 12 months is actually being as open as I, I like to be. And to be honest, I think the reason behind that is I think with the platform growing, I would say that I'm way more cautious than I was even 12 months ago. And then 12 months before that, definitely more cautious than them with, with what I put out there and, and what I say and, and how I present myself because a big part of me for anyone that doesn't know is, is obviously my coaching. And I, I'm well aware that when I was younger, I was, I was getting sort of a younger demographic and my younger demographic could handle the, the true, you know, self that, that I am, which is quite, quite sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that sort of openness and sarcasm comes out, like, I don't know, sometimes it comes across a little unprofessional and I've got to meet that sort of borderline, I guess, meet those boundaries with, uh, with, with the clientele that I want to coach. Because at the end of the day, I want my business to be looked at as super professional, uh, you know, elite high level coaching. Uh, you know, at the moment, I've got a set of clients that this year are probably all like a large majority of them are going after big, big, big goals you know, professional status within natural bodyboarding. And in the future, I want, I want to be known as, the, you know, the, the best natural coach out there, if, if, they, if that's a thing. Um, and, then, you know, taking people to their, their pro shows and, and pro cards and, and just t- coaching the elite. So when it comes to social media, it's, it's like a fine balance of, of who I can really be when, when that's, my, that's my goal. Um, that's my end game, so to speak. So I think as I've, as I've, as I've matured and I've also watched others maybe suffer a little bit from being maybe a little too much of themselves online. Like I could post, I could post so much more. <laughs> I could post, <laughs> I could post so much more, basically just, just rubbish, mm. just rubbish on my story that, that, that people would definitely find funny. And, um, but, but then they maybe look at me as, you know, funny as opposed to look at me and think, wow, okay. He's a great coach. Um, 
So it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think I've actually become less open over the last year. And I'm not sure whether I like it or not, to be honest. So when I hear you say I've become less open for my business, what I hear is I censor myself for snowflakes. <laughs> it's fucking right that. That's, yeah, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, it's proper, yeah. And um, obviously we do have to have the business in mind because at the end of the day, yes, social media is about telling your story and your journey. But in a position as a coach, it is a business tool for you. Yep. But I think it's good to see the real person behind it. And it's, it is funny when someone asks a silly question and they get a silly answer. And I don't think we should have to censor ourselves too much for the snowflakes because it draws away from who you are and that personality is what people get drawn to as well for that coaching. You're so right. Yeah. And this is why I say to like a lot of the clients that I help when they come to me with questions about coaching. So obviously I started coaching myself back in 2014. So I've gone through the whole you know, building of the business stage to a point where it's become very stable over the last three years. And uh, my, my big thing is get on your stories and be yourself. Mm. So I'm saying these things, I'm not doing them myself because I'm becoming a little bit more aware of when you put something out there, you will get snowflakes. And unfortunately, the more following you get, the bigger amount of snowflakes that you carry with that float following. So, and, uh, and, and I've taken the hit on it a few times. And I think, I think when it comes to social media, I've only got a certain amount of energy for, for taking heat or taking negative comments and, mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've actually found that YouTube is way more thrive with this kind of stuff than, than, than the Instagram. Instagram is, is, is okay. You can be relatively yourself and, and kind of get away with it without attracting too many of the snowflakes. But YouTube, like, it's just, oh, it's just insane. Um, how much people that haven't got a username or an account or whatever, like, they know about your life starts to get worrying, mm. you know? Um, like yeah big, big they can time. hide so, easy, yeah so much easier to hide on youtube yeah yeah and it's scary it's almost scary like some of the comments that i've read in the past i've just thought how how the hell do you know that and how the hell are you asking that question mm. um which to be honest i in that moment like i kind of choose to ignore or in the past i have like deleted comments just because i've thought like uh, this is just toxic for me and my mm. my headspace um I don't never deleted stuff on Instagram because it's not got to that point, but on YouTube, I have deleted a few just because it is toxic and, it, and it's something that I don't want in my life. And, and, you know, I do that. I do that social media stuff. I do YouTube to, to definitely bring a bit more of myself onto, onto the online space. And, and I know other YouTubers will very much sort of understand that that environment, when you do put a lot of your own sort of personal stuff out there and people know more and more about your life, they're there. They can play around with that a lot. And then it does start to, you know, one comment can definitely get to you. Um, so you've got to be a bit of a, a tough cookie when it comes to being open. Um, but yeah. What sort of comments have you had then that you've thought, God, that's a bit like, sure. really? Are you saying that to me? Sure. So um, last year I, I went through a breakup and it was like quite a long term relationship as well. And um, so it was evident when I started my YouTube channel that a certain individual that I was with for a long time wasn't present in the videos. And it was to the point where I did you know, a 10 episode, 10 episode prep series, um, if not a little longer than that. Every, every single episode, the same comment every time. Where's that person? Where's that person? 
And, uh, and we also had a, a pet together as well. And uh, people were commenting that. People were commenting, where's said pet? And, and you know, I haven't talked about that a lot anywhere because it, it doesn't really need bringing up massively, but I don't have that pet anymore and neither does my ex-partner. And um, that was not easy. So mm. every time that comment came up, like, yeah, it threw me off because I was already in an emotionally sort of quite heightened position mm-hmm. with the prep. And um, it came up quite a lot of in, on Instagram Q&As as well, to be honest. And to be honest, it still does come up now. Um, so potentially if people that are asking me the questions on the Q&A are listening to this, maybe refrain <laughs> from, from asking it again because I've covered it. Um, so, but yeah, it's, 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 um, it's things like that where you just sort of take a step back and you think, right. Okay. How much, how much do I really, really want to share on here? Um, so ultimately with the lockdown over the last like four or five months, I haven't done a lot of YouTube. Um, but I'm just going to be like quite careful to a degree Mm. how much I want to share because the more you share, the more backlash you can potentially create. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I like, I know, George, my, my good friend, George Osborne has been through this as well. Like he lost two of his dogs and he's had people comment on his YouTube saying that he was the reason that they, that they died, you know? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, just absolutely dreadful shit. And like that for when someone's already feeling very upset, that's, that's brutal. You know, mm. that's brutal. That's like, that's like going back to like year six, year seven stuff at school when, you know, people used to have like no, no mute button. <laughs> um, I don't think even as a 12, 13 year old, I would have thought to say that to someone. No, you wouldn't have, but I'm sure there's some people <laughs> out there that would. So but thinking yeah. about that kind of, that openness and now possibly lessons learned, not that you should have to learn those lessons, but I guess when you do these Q and A's and people then feel, cause I think this is the thing. And, and one of the reasons I started this podcast was people feel like they know you. And yeah, they do, yeah. I am hardly like, if you're looking at followers wise and being known and for how long you've been in the industry, I am nothing in comparison to the reach that you have, but I'll walk into a gym and someone will say to me, Hannah. And for a second, I think, shit, do I know that person? Oh my God, have I forgotten them? Don't. And actually 10 minutes into a conversation, I've never met them. I don't follow them. I, I have no reason to know them, but then they, that's when they tell me. And then I'm like, I've felt awful for 10 minutes, but it's because they feel like they know me because of how much I've shared. Yeah. So yeah. do you find that that, that openness you've had over the years, because you've been in the industry for such a long time now, and you've grown from Instagram being quite small and sharing a lot of your training and your life uh, situations with your family and relationships, as you say, in your business. That now people are like, oh, yeah, AJ this, AJ that. He did this. He, it's almost like they know you. And actually, they've never met you. Yeah, I think the more openness you have, the more it opens up the door to for people to relate. You know, so I think that's that's where people think that they 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 form a bond. You know, so I've had a lot of people that have been through similar experiences that I have, and I may not even know them at all. And they'll reach out and they'll DM me, and this will be this like massive long paragraph about similar experiences they've had, and um, and that's sometimes you know pretty difficult because we're talking about you know very personal 
mm. things here that are very, you know, part, part of my life that then someone's reaching out to you and expecting maybe a, you know, a comment back or a conversation about a topic that's, you know, yes, it's, it's, it's hard to potentially offer advice because you, you, you know, you're only someone that's sitting and, and has been through that. And, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's a borderline that sometimes I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, thank you very much for the message, but at the same time, like, I wish you all the best with what you're dealing with, but you know, potentially if you're really, really struggling, reach out to a professional mm. within that field. Um, so yeah, that's, that's certainly been hard, but I would say that I'm, I'm glad that I've, I've shared certain aspects of, of my life for sure. Um, I'm, I'm glad that, that, I, that I shared those moments because um, I think, again, it builds up this sort of feeling of a real person rather than just another one of these Instagram people that, you know, hits PBs every session and, you know, looks great when they share a, you know, shredded physique shot and, sh- and shit like that. You know, mm. it's sort of like you know, standard image that you see of people, um, I think. But the thing is, like, you don't often see, you know, as Especially in the fitness industry, I think it's harder as, as, as people grow and grow and grow into like large and larger followings. Yeah, there is, there is definitely people that do this, but I think more so when people gain following, it's like I've just said at the start of the podcast, the, the higher the following, the more people start to feel like, shit, okay, I'm sharing this to a massive audience. I better mute some of this stuff. Um, and then the feed becomes more generic and less, you know, real. Um, so that's actually something, you know, upon reflection, when I get opportunities to chat about these kind of things, it's, uh, it's important that I stay true to actually like what, like how I built my social media rather than just, I don't know, locking things away or not really like sharing things that I would normally share just because of um, maybe I'm a bit worried about what people would think or I'm a bit worried about opening up. So that's yeah, a good point that you raised there, to be honest. I'm just here giving three free therapy. This is all this is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take that back then because we are both Brightonians. Um, yeah. Both started way back in underground gym in Portslade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Went backwards that. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, because I, I haven't kind of looked this far back into it I always knew you as AJ in the gym didn't know you at the time sure. but just knew that you were training really hard you would train really intensely and that people had a very mixed opinion of you yeah that was yeah, all right. I knew at the time <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so let's go all the way back there and how did you get into that because I only saw you from being in it so what happened before that what happened before I even like started training? In- yeah, like how did you come to that point where you, because you're very passionate about your training. So how did you get to that point where you were like, God, I love this so much. I want to live it. Sure. So for me, I think I have always been competitive in nature. You know, I've always had a competitive sport behind me, whether it's an every weekend thing or a bodybuilding style competitive nature, which is, you know, competing every one or two years. Um, so I've, I was heavily involved in motorsport from like the age of about eight years old. And before that was football. But um, for me, for me, like f- motorsport was then the, the biggest thing because I was able to drive a lot of my like my own dedication and passion into it. 
at least at the the beginning level when it wasn't super serious. So like from like eight to 12 years old, wasn't super serious. It was, you know, fairly even sport, not too much money involved in the level of competition. And I absolutely loved it. Like I, just, I was so passionate about it, but to the point where it was probably an unhealthy passion. It was like, it was like those bodybuilders that just like, they can't relax. They can't go out for a meal. It's that kind of passion. You know, I, 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 if then something didn't go well, I remember like traveling home with my dad in the car and just like being in tears the whole way. Like mm. that kind of like just loose, like very loose emotion, passion. Um, I'd lose my shit if, if I didn't win kind of thing. Um, so it actually allowed me to build up that understanding of, okay, what, what does it take to be like a real like champion? How do you actually win? And it's through obviously like handling your losses and handling, you know, bad weekends and good weekends, luck and no luck. And, um, and then obviously motorsport as it progressed was a a case of not just a a one man sport. It wasn't just me in, in the car. It was about building a team around me. So it was about working with mechanics working with data analysts at the age of like 12 13 year, years old reviewing all of my video footage from a lap and comparing it to another video of someone who was quicker than me and finding gaps you know so i've always been like very very critical about progress like in everything um so when it came to ending that sort of phase which was upsetting because it was just basically financial um i would have kept pursuing motorsport if i had all the money in the world Mm. would i change it now which may be a a question that people would be asking no i wouldn't because i wouldn't have ever had the opportunity to build my own business you know when you're in motorsport if you get to the high level you're all there's always someone higher than you Mm. there's always someone that's going to tell you what to do and how to do it and where to be what time to be there and uh, actually the more you progress the more that happens because it's not your own money anymore Mm. it's it's sponsors it's it's people paying you to be somewhere and, and your life becomes very, very sort of manufactured by someone else. Whereas my life right now is actually quite manufactured by me. Like I choose my life. Um, and I much rather have that and less money and the bodyboarding side. So yeah, that was, that was me until like a young age. And then I got into training because I was already doing a lot of fitness stuff for the, for the motorsport and I was already lifting weights for that. And, um, and then that, that passion to sort of flood into 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 training and um i competed like very very soon after stopping motorsport actually in a bodybuilding show ended up doing relatively well so the passion just just grew again from that sort of element of i'm not there yet but i can be you know like the comments were from the judges were like okay you've got good shape but you just need more time so i took more time and then i won and then you know it sort of came from there um I'll touch on what you talked about, like with, with, with underground and Brighton. So obviously like that gym specifically for, for people that didn't ever train, there was like kind of like a blend of commercial with some really high level athletes in there. So it was a weird environment in the sense that there was some people that really, really were like training super, super hard mm-hmm. and some pretty cool lifts going on. Um, obviously like Max trained down there, Aaron Hallett, who was actually at the time coached by Jordan um like aaron was was squatting like i remember him squatting like five or six plates for sets of 10 and like me being there at like 16 17 like watching that i was like this is like this is what i want to be doing like this kind of crazy stuff in the gym and that's actually how i like kind of got following jordan was through aaron um and then like aaron was like looking at my training and also helping me a little bit with my posing in the twenty. 
17 prep. And, um, and that's when my training started to really like get more intense and I started to get more passionate about it. I definitely made way too much noise in, in hindsight <laughs> and uh, people used to hate that. So, but um, yeah, I think I was just trying like, as you see like these, these like little mini Jordans out there that are trying to like make the same noise as a Jordan and trying to like make like the same lifts happen. So I was thinking that that was going to be the case. Um, For those that that don't know anything about underground, there used to be (laughs) signs on the wall saying, please keep noise to a minimum. It was, um, it was, it was actually a three strikes and you're out rule. So um, I was, I was on my, my second strike before I moved to Birmingham. So one more, one one more strike and I'd have been out. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, like it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting time because like whilst the gym was was great for a while like there was some really really cool people in there it just it yeah it just took a turn as like they didn't I don't think they quite understood what passion looked like for some people Mm. and obviously like for some people like you know getting amped for a lift doesn't involve noise and to be honest I don't make much now um because I've learned to control that and but the thing is you know for some people that's that's how they 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 like to train you know that they they like to make some noise and and an environment like that it probably did need to be you know dulled down a little bit for the people that was coming in and having their first gym introduction session um they didn't really want to be surrounded by that mess but you know for for me that was that was something that I, i started doing and it definitely elevated my ability to train hard um because i just realized like what actually like hard training was mm. and I've been big on that ever since. Like I've been big on the fact that training hard is a learned skill. It's something that comes over the course of time. And that's something that I love improving. It's why like I've trained with as many people that can train harder than me as possible. Um, and I've, I've been lucky over the last, especially two years since sort of moving away from, from Brighton and moving gradually further up North to, to my settling point now, um, which I'm pretty sure I'll stay here for a long, long time. Um, and I've been able to train around some really, really hard people. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, to be honest, Brighton's progressed a lot. You've now got some really, really cool gyms. So yeah. when I come down to see my dad, I've, I'm blessed with some uh, some great environments like Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. Great gym. Um, repping their jumper right now. Yeah, I need to, I need to actually visit the, um, the Brighton one. I've only obviously been to the Burgess Hill one ever since I've been down so mm. but it looks fantastic it's yeah fantastic. full panato which is amazing some of the yeah I've only used a few of their pieces but some of their stuff is really nice yeah it's very good yeah. um it's something you actually a word that you used and it's like a bit of a pet peeve of mine mm. and I brought this up with Keefe as well okay lucky oh yeah I'm lucky to be in the position I'm in, to have gradually moved up north and surround myself and trained with certain people. I just don't believe that that's luck. I think you fully yeah. put yourself in that position at every step of the way to achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, 100%. I think that's certainly true. Um, it's just a word that falls out of the tongue so easily, doesn't it? Like that word of luck. But you're right, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, progressing in life or business or bodybuilding you know, you are in control or you're in the driving seat of a lot of these decisions. You know, I was in the driving seat of making enough money to move out at the age that I did and move further up. And then I was also in a position where I found a gym because I did lots of work and spent time analyzing where the, the people that I want to be surrounded with train 
and what environment I want, what kit I want. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it's sort of a case of, you know, a lot of people will look at like where I'm at now and then maybe compare it to where I was in something like say 2017, 20, 2018, probably, which was just, you know, like a less well-known person who trained in Brighton. Um, and, and think that that came as a byproduct of potentially a little bit of luck or right time, right place. But the thing is that like, I'd always been working towards something like this, like not, not in just like 2018 or 2019 when I moved, but like all the way back in 2014, like when I started in the fitness industry and I started coaching, like this was my, this was my like ultimate goal was to mm. be doing what I'm doing right now. So I, um, I sort of set a vision of that a long, long time ago. And um, it took, took, you know, took a huge amount of work and dedication, ups and downs and things like that. But, you know, it's like that um, small video that I shared the other day. It's like when you set your, your, your eyes and your mindset on one thing, you know, the, the universe sort of attracts you to that one thing if, mm-hmm. if, if you really, really want it. Um, but I think the problem is very much like that video says is, 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 is people want so many things all at once. Um, and also, I think in this current climate with coaching, people aren't sure as to what they exactly want out of coaching. You know, they're, they're maybe not sure as to exactly who they want to coach. In the end game, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things right now who you coach. And I, I understood that when I started coaching. I understood that I wouldn't be coaching the pros or people who are going to get their pro cards first. Like, I wasn't going to do that, but understood the steps it would it would it would involve for me to get to that end game and i think if you understand that then you'll take all the right actions and you'll probably get there more efficiently than thinking i'd really like to coach them but uh, i'm not sure about coaching these now and like just screwing up your headspace with stuff that maybe isn't progressing you as, as quickly as you could no i agree i think you have to have a clear vision in mind of where you want to be and then take steps towards that and i think that people that throw around the term luck and they you say or people think oh not so well known in 2014 guy from brighton to here we are now i think people that believe that's luck are people that don't have the dedication to work for something because they're wishful that it's luck they want it to be luck because it makes them feel that what they're doing is okay and it will just happen for them I think anyway. So you had a pretty phenomenal year last year. It was okay. Went well. Went well. (laughs) It was okay, yeah. (laughs) So obviously a few of us prepped through the pandemic. Um, You had some access here and there um, where you could obviously before people got involved and made things a little bit more difficult than they needed to be. but how did you cope with prepping, prepping through the pandemic? And obviously you touched earlier on, there were changes during your prep and your private life, mm. which arguably made that more difficult for you to kind of process. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a very, very interesting prep for sure. It was very, it was like, if you could put as the least optimal setting for it, it was probably that to be fair. Um, but the thing is is when it comes to any process that's like my bodybuilding journey it's like um i'm sort of on a on a train track that's very stable so 
if there's stuff in the way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going um, the whole, the whole time. So it didn't really distract me away from the non-negotiables that, that took me to the end goal. Hence I was able to get there. And I think that again, just boils down to how badly I want to succeed within my competitive sort of nature and within bodybuilding. Cause I'm very passionate about it, but mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, obviously the start of the prep, it's funny. I actually started prep the, like, I got one session in and then the lockdown happened uh, the first one. So that was obviously a little bit odd, but I did have access to a you know, very, very good kit straight off the gate. And then I didn't. And then I built, so I, I didn't have kit and I didn't have another solution. So I, I had luckily like now, most recent lockdowns, I've got a lot more contacts and I know a lot more people and people have been a bit more open with letting people in and the mm-hmm. rules, et cetera. So it's, and of course I had the professional status, so it, that helped, mm-hmm. but the first one was very, very sort of like, okay, I don't have kit, don't have access. I have nothing. <laughs> like mm. I had a barbell and like some kettlebells at home. Um, and, uh, and I had a garage, which is actually just full of rubbish. So I think it took me like three weeks and I'd fully kitted the garage out with a rack, a hack squat, a leg press, a seated leg curl, pull down, like everything I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like search like, and that was like already within four, five, six weeks of lockdown or something like that. So a lot of the stuff that was like easy to get had been like harder to get. Mm-hmm. But I just seemed to fall on like, not luck, but right time, right place kind of stuff. Because I was literally on Marketplace and I managed to grab like the leg press and the seated leg curl from a place that was literally like 20 minutes down the road and they dropped it off for me. Uh, and it was a bargain as well. It's 500 quid for like the both of them. It was like literally just stuff that just, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm meant to prep this year. I'm yeah. This. I was because just I'm thinking a, that sounds yeah. exactly like it was supposed to be. I'm, I'm a big believer in that, to be mm. honest. And, and there was enough, there was, there was funny because there was enough signs that told me, stop, <laughs> you're being stupid. Like there's so many things that are wrong, stop. But then a day after or like another day after something would come up and, and remind me that I shouldn't. Mm. It was really, really strange. But um, I'm a big believer in that. And I do take note of these things that like, are like signs or mm. you know, things that are telling me to do something or not to do something. So and then I trained train in that for like, I think all the way pretty much until close towards the gym's opening. And then I had like, I had that whole, the whole breakup situation, which was, you know, very sort of emotionally hard to deal with because mm. it was a long-term relationship. Um, and it, it wasn't sort of like a, it wasn't like a good, it wasn't like a good breakup really at all to be mm. totally clear and honest. And I'm sure people are aware of that with the way that it happened because it was you know quite out of the blue. Um, so that was, that was sort of difficult in the sense that it really took away from my ability to, to truly focus on what I was doing within that moment. So like sleep was just crashed for like a good month. Um, and appetite, even though I was dieting and relatively lean was terrible, like force feeding meals harder than I was force feeding them in the off season, Mm. you know, like that's, that's how I respond to emotional stress. I'm not like a, I don't overeat. I don't binge. I I can't eat. Um, and I can't sleep. And it's just, it was really like stuck in the mud kind of stuff. 
So, um, but I'm more than happy to admit that I'm not the type of person to say, oh, you know, I had a breakup and it was easy. It wasn't, it was not an easy thing to deal with. Yeah. Um, and it took a, took a while to sort of like get some momentum going again. Um, but funnily enough, like once the, the gyms reopened, I got into a good groove of things again, had some like social interaction because like obviously the breakup happening in um in lockdown wasn't ideal either because I had like very minimal social interaction and people to actually speak to yeah. and get like advice on like what to do and like how to deal with it and 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 stuff like that. So I had some amazing friends in my in my corner to to help me with with a lot of it. Um so yeah, my, my closest friends are like super, super supportive, but have like a wider social network was um was was much better. And, and then I got my head back on and the rest of the prep was 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 very, very good because it was just literally like me in my own headspace, cracking on, getting after it. Mm. And um and I, I thoroughly sort of relished within that. So it was it was a very, very good end of the year. And then I had some great shows and some great experiences. Um, traveling away for you know a show in Italy and uh, and you know managing to win that one and uh, learning a lot of lessons at the UK show which was unfortunately the one where I really really wanted to like win a British title so that was actually more important to me than, than the second one um, even though you'd think a European title was better than a British it's not in my head like the British one was the one that I really wanted um, and then subsequently as to winning the european title i did get a pro card but in my head i'm still not at that level yet like a lot of people will think you know well, you've won a pro card you're at pro level i'm mm-hmm. in my head i want to win the pro card the way that i always envisioned w- winning it which is winning a british <clears throat> and then either getting the offer in the offering the pro card to me or winning the overall um so i'm just going to continue to work until that happens so uh yeah it was it was it was a year of like you know thinking okay is this gonna work out too well um and to be honest the whole time like the whole time because of everything happening the the gyms and the lockdown like sort of just went straight over my head mm-hmm. because there was so much else going on that I wasn't really able to understand the lockdowns and the implications of that because I was just like okay well I've got I've got kit I'm training, you know, I was trying to make things as normal as possible. And uh, yeah, and obviously more recently, I think more recently, I definitely felt the lockdown a lot more because I've been able to actually live in it like a normal person and not been distracted by loads of different stuff going on. So I've definitely felt it a lot more and I've, I've felt the effects of like trying to be a motivator to all of my clients, mm. like trying to lift a whole team of individuals that are, already suffering with low motivation mm. when your motivation is already a little low because having to do different things for training and make things work especially in the beginning of lockdown where I didn't have a clue where I was going to train um was uh yeah was 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 definitely testing so the the most recent lockdown probably for me was the most difficult out of the bunch to be honest mm. Mm. do you think that the being in prep helped you when it came to processing things that were stressing you out and upsetting you those those ups and downs because I know myself that if I have prep to focus on I'm like I don't care about what any else anything else that's going on around me yes that could be shit but I also know that I need to do this amount of steps I need to do this cardio I need to train these things and eat these these meals and and that structure for me makes everything else a little bit easier 
Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. I think it's just the rigidity of the of the the nature of the task. You know, it keeps you on on a level playing field. It keeps you with a goal. It it keeps you with a date. You know, you're you're certain amount of weeks out, so you got to work. You know, you got to do got to do the job. So um, yeah, I was always very focused on that. I'd, I'd say that it towards the end, I was definitely like you get to that point where you're very sort of emotionally numb. So any emotion that I'd had sort of in the months mm. prior would, would, was definitely dissipated, um, which I'm glad that it all happened earlier when I was actually able to experience mm-hmm. emotion because I've had things in the past happen when I've been very, very lean and I've suppressed emotions over them, you know, because yeah. I've been so lean that I've just not really felt it. Yeah. And it's, I get that. that's not, that's not normal. And then I've gotten fatter <laughs> Um, or I've gone into an off season basically, and and I've started to feel all of those things, and and it's trust me, it's even worse feeling big emotions post the actual trigger. Um, it's it, I think it's ten times worse because you can't like live in the moment anymore. You like it, it happened. Like, maybe oh shit, that ago. happened. Okay. So yeah. Now we're processing all of it. Yeah, it's, it's dreadful. So it um, I think things happened at the right time for sure. For the emotions to be pretty solid throughout the prep and, and to be correct as well, not mm. to be like false or mm. blunted. Mm. Yeah. But you seem pretty happy now. Um, yes. Yeah. Business is going well. Training seems to be going well. Obviously, you just had a stint in Dubai. Yeah. Um, the relationship that you're now in seems to be. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. It seems to all be kind of turning around from a point where. I mean, I watched one of your YouTubes where you touched on that. When I'm in prep, I kind of, my emotion just falls off a little bit. Yeah. Um, And you could see in that YouTube video that you kind of, a little bit, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, glazed over. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. You were just kind of talking about it like so matter of fact that you didn't really feel much or think much. It was just like, okay, well, I'm I'm just doing this and that's that's that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's nice to see you seem a lot happier now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Things are really, really good. Yeah. I can't complain at all. So obviously got my own house now as well. So that's a huge, you know, another step. And, um, I just feel very, very settled for like the first time in my life, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's really, really, really good. And touching on that feeling settled for the first time, obviously you have moved around a lot. Um, I would say that you're, your setup has changed quite a lot since being a teenager. Yeah, um, and I'm sure that everyone that's listening to this will know that you have been through a lot at a young age with regards to loss and things yeah. like that. Um, and you've been very, very open about that. So do you think that now being where you are is because you learned tough lessons along the way and you kind of just had to do it for yourself because no one was going to be able to do it for you? Yeah, 100%. I think it's definitely made me way more mentally resilient than a lot of other people probably of relative age. I think life experience hands you a lot. So yeah, for for sure. And, And when I say the word settled, I think, to be honest, my life became pretty unsettled when like my mom got her diagnosis. So she, she actually passed through, through cancer. Um, it was initially breast, breast cancer and then it, then it spread. So 
like that, that really unsettled my life completely because, you know, she wasn't well for a while as much as she was absolute trooper through all the, the therapy. It was, it was just like, I felt very, very unsettled and lost throughout that entire time period, you know, because a lot of when I, when I was growing up, like I emotionally reached out when I emotionally reached out, I'd reach out to my mom like all the time. So if I was upset, if I was down, I'd go to her. Like my dad's very, very numb to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my mom would sort of feel my pain if I was, if I was upset. Um, my dad really wouldn't. <laughs> um, probably because he was so annoyed taking me every weekend racing. But... <laughs> um, which I understand. It's like his bank wallet just depleted. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so that, when, when that started to sort of, you know, I couldn't reach out to her as much when she was unwell because I felt like then I was becoming a bit of a burden, um, which wasn't true because she'd always say that I wasn't, but um, I felt like I, I was. So I lost that sort of like settled nature of, of, of having someone to sort of, sort of go to. Um, so as I, as I grew up, like I just became more able to handle things on my own. I think like that's why now I, I do reside a lot within my friends and within my, like my, my close circle and obviously a lot within laws as well. But when something goes wrong, I'm very much in my own shell and I can do de- like, that's my dealing mechanism. And I might go like for a walk and I, I tend to talk to myself, like if I'm upset and I just like, I'd almost imagine as if I was having a conversation like with my mom or something like that, because that tends to help me a huge amount. Um, so I have definitely become more able to deal with a lot of, you know, life struggles and business problems or, you know, like just general upset or stress uh, a lot better on my own. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, and right now where I am in terms of like where I live, it's exactly where I wanted to live for that to, to have its purpose. Because for me, going outside and getting in nature is like my thing. Like living in a city for me personally, wasn't where I like healthily reside. I need to have like green stuff and like trees and, and just like countryside. And and that's where I live like five, like literally a 30 second walk down the road. And I'm on like the trans Pennine, which is a huge, like walk along the countryside. And that's where I like go and get my steps in and stuff like that. So, um, I just feel super, super comfortable here. Um, which is, which is, it's crazy. It's literally crazy how much that does for your mental health though. Um, so I'd like encourage anyone that maybe doesn't feel like they're in that right place to like maybe search for it if you can, um, because it, it does make a huge, huge difference um, to the way you feel every day. Mm, I agree. Um, and, and if anyone is going through, obviously you, earlier on in the recording, you touched on the fact that some people reach out to you um, yeah. and share I suppose a problem shared is a problem halved, but when you are at the point that you are at and you have so much reach that everyone else's halves can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, true. Yeah. 100%. Um, so what would your advice be to people if they're in a situation, either one that you've been in, whether it's family loss, friends loss, relationships, business struggles, what would you advise them to do in those times? How did you get through stuff like that? Sure. So I think in in those times, it definitely all breeds down to, to having a very, very strong why in your life. Like 
when those things happen, your purpose is, is what you will need to go back onto and really double down on that purpose, you know, and if you haven't got a purpose, find one, you know, it's, it's, it's potentially you're in a position where you're very young and there's not a lot going on, or you feel like you've made the wrong decision or your purpose isn't exactly what you want your purpose to be end game. You can still work towards your end game purpose. Like even with one like small win a day, you mm-hmm. can, you can take steps towards, towards doing that and feeling like, okay, I've boxed off something that's going to take me towards where I want to be in the, in the long run. So your purpose, your why that's like where you should, should be driving a lot of your focus and attention towards and, uh, you know, outside of that, you know, if, if it is a particularly tough time, don't be afraid of feeling emotion, you know, don't be afraid of, of crying or getting down or, you know, I, I think way too many people, too many people like lie about the fact that they get upset or say that they don't cry. Like I've cried multiple times, you know, over things that have, that have bothered me, but I find like, if I do do that, I, I can handle it. I can deal with it. I can move on. And rather than bottling it all up and creating more stress and more sort of like, you know, sympathetic drive, if you wish, yeah. you know, towards a specific thing. So like for me, that's, um, that's probably my, my biggest too is, is, you know, have a why, have a, have a purpose, double down on that. And then just don't be afraid to, to feel the emotion of the, the particular event that's gone on. And what is your why? It's an interesting, it's an interesting question because like, I guess my why is probably multifaceted, but I think from a perspective of like the end game wise to just have an influence that's so great that it's really, really remembered, like massively remembered, whatever, whatever way in which my influence ends up being and growing into, like I just wanted to make a, a massive positive difference to, to just people's lives in general, whether it be bodybuilding or not. Um, so because as you grow in in a particular industry, your leverage and your influence other others just, just massively increases. So I know that in a year's time, another year's time, 10 years time, it's just going to be even bigger. So if I can use that in a positive way, then I will. Um, that's probably the biggest why that I've got. And yeah, I think I, I, I show that through my dedication towards my business, my dedication towards my bodybuilding, the passion that I provide within those things. And then that means that that, that influence is not just for someone who wants to be a coach. It's for someone that sees, okay, I want to be, a, you know, let's say I want to be a, you know, a doctor or something. You know, I know that I've got to put in the same level of work that AJ's put in and or more to get to that end goal. You know, it's showing that essentially the old age term of hard work pays off you know that's kind of what I I really want to represent Mm. which leads me into a question actually quite nicely of um something I've asked all the the gents that have joined this podcast so far and you are known as AJ Morris natty bodybuilder but what do you want to be remembered for Mm. (sighs) It Again, doesn't I think, have to be bodybuilding related. It's just yeah. what do you want people to remember you for? Yeah. Um, I want to probably be remembered for the fact that I stay true to who I am despite growing into a bigger personality and a bigger person within an industry, like staying true to just being me and not conforming to any specific 
direction that the fitness industry tends to be heading in. You know, I just, I just, I still want to be me. You know, I still want to be able to, you know, do podcasts like this and not think, oh, will this sponsor be worried about me saying this or mm-hmm. will, uh, will this go down well? Um, yeah, I think very much like we covered at the start of the podcast, um, you know, being able to be my true self like the whole time and really stick into that um, is probably what I want to be remembered for in, 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 in one way. And I think like, I wouldn't, I would be lying if I said I wouldn't want to be remembered for having a massive impact on natural bodybuilding. Like we, me and, and Jack Thorburn actually were talking about this the other day and we were saying how like back in 2017, like tw- like before 2017, which is when we first competed and we shared all of our journey on social media. Um, I started up my YouTube channel and things like that. Like natural bodybuilding was okay, but it wasn't anywhere near what it is now. Mm. Like natural bodybuilding is leveled the hell up. And we're not like Jack, Jack, you know, Jack actually sent the voice note. So I'll blame him. It was his, his cocky attitude that brought us <laughs> up. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. But like he, he said, he was like, you know, we definitely made an impact because, you know, us and as a sort of, you know, unit, Keefe as well included, you know, Jack um, have definitely brought it alive a little more. You know, like now natural bodybuilding is serious. Like if you go to a show, you've got to be damn good to win. You've got to be mm. really, really good. You can't just be, you know, a skinny guy that's got striated glutes anymore. You've got to have like true muscle, mm. you know, like Keith who won his pro card. He's massive. He's a huge dude, you know, like, and he's doing things that, you know, you wouldn't even perceive as possible for a natural athlete. You know, these, these young dudes that are like coming up and, and leveling up the sport, that's exactly what I'm I'm in for. And like that, that is why I am very confident in saying that my goals moving forwards like over the next like decade and, and future will be just within natural bodybuilding because I just want to take it to like the next level. Um and that involves, you know, helping federations, helping support the sport across all sectors. And, you know, like that's probably my 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 biggest thing actually to be to be remembered for is is taking natural bodybuilding to to a really really high level and to a point where it's open for all but the competition level is ridiculously high almost not look natural yes yes that's the goal is to not look natural um (laughs) you won't have to have natural bodybuilder in your bio anymore you can just you can be a bodybuilder yeah um I think that's a good way to be remembered. I think people will remember you like that. I think people already think of you like that. So it's only going to grow and get bigger and better. I hope so. I hope so. And one last question um, okay. would be across the entire span of your life. And this is nothing specific to fitness. It could be absolutely anything. Okay. Do you regret anything or wish you'd done anything differently? Mm. Um, wow. These questions really make you think. <laughs> I think, um, to answer this in like the most sensible way that I can answer this, I, I would not let my actions be heavily influenced by others in some, some moments of my life because I'm, I'm like a, I'm a pretty sort of, you know, standard, honest, dedicated, hardworking person. And like, there's been some moments in my life where I haven't been that I haven't been honest and I've 
basically been a dickhead basically and i don't like that and that's something that i've audited heavily ever since since making like one or two mistakes like that um and you know i'm pretty confident that i can see where i've made those those mistakes i just don't want to be that person that makes another one like that so for me it's clear in my head that whilst some of those actions are definitely influenced by by other people um i own those actions so i don't need to make them again to like learn from that lesson um so yeah yeah for me it's it's just it's just again it's staying true to myself like being me and not like allowing environment or pressures of others or wanting to conform to a certain ideal or something like that like influence actually me as a person and I'm sure we all went through that phase in school where we did something that our friends did because we thought it was like cool or right. Like, mm. you know, a lot of adults do that too, mm. <laughs> occasionally. And, uh, and I just don't, I just don't want to be that person. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad I've made some mistakes when I did because they ended up being things that ultimately happened for a reason. But, um, but uh, I, I do regret that. I do regret that because that's not, that's not cool. Um, so yeah, my, um, I have very few of those though, which is great. So, um, I think it's cool to have regrets. I don't think like people who live by the rule of like, there's no regrets. Um, I understand it, but everyone regrets something. I think everyone's got to like, yes, it happens for a reason, but there's some things that we do that are just not part of us that like, you, you look back and you think like, why the hell did I do that? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just don't like that part of me. So I definitely regret that, 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 that part of me and I don't want it to happen again. So yeah, that's that. I suppose you're bringing it into the present day with you and helping it, helping using that to help you influence and make right decisions and the right choices. Oh yeah. And the thing about that is that a lot of people that maybe, I don't know, you know, I'm sure there's people that live life with no regrets and they're fine, but like potentially some people that do have no regrets at all aren't actually realizing any of their things that are probably like going wrong or their mistakes or the things that maybe shouldn't happen or they're living life on like a life with no rules, um, which is cool, which is cool. But like, for me, that's not going to work <laughs> um, because I'll end up not being able to sleep at night. So um, that's, yeah, that's, that's my thought on that. Okay. Wow. That has been a really insightful chat. I've really, really enjoyed this side of you. Um, And I think everyone that's listening will have enjoyed it too. Um, If anyone wants to find you, if they happen to not know who you are for any (laughs) reason, where can they find you? Sure. So I'm I'm sure some people aren't following me, but like I'm AJ Morris underscore on Instagram. And that's pretty much where you can find everything else. You can find like the podcast, you can find my YouTube and things like that. YouTube will be starting up really soon again with um, my plans to be to get on stage again, sort of the back end of this year. So uh, another prep series will be coming. So people can look forward to that if they enjoyed the first one. And uh, yeah, just more exciting times ahead of us, I hope, with the gyms being open and life getting back to normal. But um, yeah, Hannah, I, like, I really appreciate you having me on and hopefully I've been as open as I, I can be. Um, and uh, hopefully some, some people are listening to this and can relate and uh, I've massively enjoyed being on as well. Like I appreciate, I appreciate the questions and it's allowed me an hour of talking about stuff that is pretty cool um, and different because my mind is so bodybuilding doubt. Like 
you know, all the time. If I come on a podcast, it's bodybuilding. If I do check-ins, it's bodybuilding. So it's nice to talk about some other stuff. I think it'd be nice for people to get to know AJ. Not AJ yeah. Morris, the bodybuilder, but just just AJ. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully they like it. <laughs> <laughs> if not, you're sure you'll get some comments on YouTube. I'll <laughs> lose all my followers. Well, thank you so much. Um, and uh, we'll catch up soon.